0: Welcome to the Rainbows and Rain podcast, the podcast for early interventionists, where you'll hear stories, reflection, and coaching from the field. My name is Erica, and I'm an ECSE teacher in Minnesota. This podcast is about connecting through stories and reflecting on our practices during visits. This is how I try to put best practice and research to work on the road and on real visits, and how I always look for the humor in it all. I hope this podcast helps you connect and reflect on your own visits and interactions with families. Rainbows and Rain is also available wherever podcasts are listened to. So if you are listening, please rate, review. That puts the podcast in front of more people uh, that are in the field and that are in early intervention and doing home visiting. So ratings and reviews help reach more people and grow our R&R community. You can also find us on Instagram. You can check it out at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. Welcome again. This looks like episode 28 of the R&R podcast, Rainbows and Rain. And I've had a really interesting couple of weeks. I put a teaser up on Instagram about what this episode was going to be about. And I think it's going to be an episode a lot of people can relate to. I just started with a family a a few weeks ago or several weeks ago. We, to date, we've had four visits. I'm going to talk about what happened on visit number three. And so you're just, I feel, so where I work, and it might be a lot like where you work too, where we have an evaluation team and that team does the evaluation, it does the intake, it does the screening, it does all of those things. And then uh, at the IFSP meeting we come together as two teams the service provider gets you know the service providers are assigned um, and we come together at the IFSP meeting to review the evaluation and um, finish with writing the goals and the services and things like that so the baton essentially gets passed and of course you collaborate with those evaluators and you hear about how the evaluation went uh, and so forth And you have a first visit. And that goes okay. So this is a little guy who is, um, he'll be two next month. So from the process of the evaluation to now, you know, it has been a few months. And progress has been really, really slow. And there's been some weeks in between visits because of summer and our schedule and our calendar. Um, regardless of the weeks in between visits, there still should be some, you know, some progress. And it it's just, I've really found myself reflecting on where this child is at and what might be going on and uh, what the family is kind of expecting. So the third visit was the only way I can describe it is like painful. So they're trying to get him to perform for me. It's mom, dad, and then the toddler. And dad is kind of in and out. He's in an office working off, you know, off the dining room. And sometimes he's in the visit and sometimes he's not. So um Anyways, it was just, this child is really struggling with just engagement and any bid to like try to get him engaged, um, whether it's his mom trying, his dad trying, or me trying, it's just he's escaping. So he's trying to escape to the office because there's these tall bar stools in there that he likes to climb on and jump off of and jump into his parents' arms and um, it's a beautiful home and toys and things like that and mom subscribes to loverly and if you're familiar with that brand on Instagram it's those beautiful Montessori looking toys and really wants him to do it and over the last like two visits the first two visits they were all about like getting him engaged in these loverly activities and toys that they had And I was all about it too, but I'll do whatever kind of, I go with what, I kind of follow the lead of the parent a little bit in the very, very beginning. And there's one activity where you take like the, the soft bunny that look, you know, it's like a pillow and it goes in a pocket and you match it with the animal. And he you know, he puts it in the pocket, but not the bunny pocket. And they're like, oh, no, it doesn't go there. So I've really tried to, it's it's really been apparent to me that their expectations of of what they want him to do and expect him to do are not where he is at. And so I just said, we're going to celebrate that he actually followed that direction of putting it in the pocket. We're not going to worry so much right now that it's, you know, not in the bunny pocket per se. So visit number one, visit number two, and visit number three, I really feel like even though we had a joint plan, um, the entire visit was almost really spent on getting him to perform for me visit number three was the hardest visit by far because he just did not want to do anything that they wanted to do. And even though I, I could tell he was seeking a lot of movement by climbing up on the bar stool, chairs and wanting to jump and wanting to run and escape, even if I attempted to like model a like motor activity, he just wasn't interested. He just wasn't into it. His prime interest was escape, which was just really hard and painful. Um, so guess what I did? (laughs) So during visit number three, I, those are visits where you can totally feel yourself going into that backward slide. So I could tell they were getting frustrated that he wasn't listening or engaging or doing anything with anybody, just, you know, wanting to escape and stuff. And since I'm hesitating even telling you guys what I did, but I could just see the frustration in their eyes. And I was like, let's try the high chair. I know. Right. Oh my gosh. But, um, I just, it was one of those moments where it's like, I, it's not something I typically do. And I, and I said it to the parents too. I said, it's, it's not something that maybe feels really natural, but sometimes it can be a place to interact and engage Um, so let's give the high chair a try. When I got there, he was just finishing in the high chair and eating, but, and it's, it's, again, it's, it's natural and it's not natural, right? So, and it was my idea and I recognize that. Um, and, parents were like, okay, yeah, let's, let's try it, and he screamed and wailed and arched, and it was a mess, and any, and parents were like, this is gonna be fun, we're gonna play, here's your stuff, he, just that day, he was just all about escaping, that's just what it was, that's just what it was, Um. so I apologized to the parents, and I said, okay, this, we're not gonna do this, this this is stressful for him and it's maybe just not the moment to try it so then i just kind of hit the pause button on myself and kind of reset and just was like okay we need we need to take a lot of steps back here and i revisited what was actually going well what were what was anything in this visit that actually was going well and the two things I could I, can't, I go I went back to was, well, he likes to climb those bar stools and jump into his parents' arms. We are gonna build on that. The other routine that mom reported that was going well was that he actually wanted to sit for books now. So, and when I say sit for books, he will sit in her lap. Um, so imagine a parent sitting on the floor and child in their lap and he's kind of just flipping through the book. So he's not, you know, engaging with a mom in the book necessarily, but at least he's with her and he's sitting with her. Um, she while I watched this routine happen and observed, mom was trying to kind of read the book, and they were appropriate books, you know, like, you know, baby sign and had, had had babies in them and things like that. Um, but she was trying to, you know, she was using too many words and he wasn't even engaging with her, let alone all the words she was using. So I went back to those two routines and I said, let's build on those. How do you feel about that? Um, how do you feel about working some strategies into how he climbs up the bar stool chairs and jumps into your arms and looking at how we could build on the the book routine because of course their um their priorities right now are communication. He's not talking, he's not imitating, he doesn't have any words. And again, he's going to be uh, 2 next month and I also kind of addressed the the hearing um, aspect of everything too, because um, he's not acknowledging them. So a lot of the time, so we talked about that. Like they're telling him no and saying no, or calling his name over and over again as a bid to try and get his attention, but he's just not looking and he's not reacting. So I used some questions. Sometimes I'll use yes and no questions um, as a way to reflect. And I'll just say, I hear you. I see and I hear you calling his name and trying to get his attention, but he's not responding to you. Is that how it typically is? Is this what that typically looks like? And even though that's a yes, no question, I think that's really reflective and powerful. And I always, and they obviously followed up with like, yep, this is kind of how it is. And then is that really working or should we try some different ways to get his attention? So at the end of the visit, we came together, came back together, regrouped and focused on what was going well. Chose those two routines, the book reading and the jumping into their arms once he climbs up the bar stool. And what kind of routine phrase you could work on there just to get him to engage, to get him to pay attention and interact a little bit more since he is so self-directed at, um, at this point in time. What was really hard for me in this visit, and maybe you have found your, yourself in the same situation or scenario, is that the child is you know, over here on one page. And the parents are in a whole other chapter, um, not on the same page. And I was trying to balance and I was trying to figure out how do I balance this out? Like, I know they want him to do this activity. I know they want him, you know, to to do what they want him to do, right? And they aren't picking totally inappropriate things, right? Like they have great toys and they're on the floor with him and they they really want it. And again, he's just escaping and avoiding. And then so balancing that with he, he's not ready to do the things you want him to do, or he's not ready. Like he doesn't have the foundational skills, for what you're asking him to do. So I really relied on like what feedback looks like and observation and coaching. So with feedback, we use what we know to be true about child development or whatever our area of expertise is in to help educate the parent and um, increase parent-child engagement th- through sharing our expertise and our um, knowledge to in- to increase their knowledge and to increase their understanding. So coaching is never like, oh, I can never tell them anything um, or like I can't give them direct information or direct feedback. You absolutely can. As soon as I ask that question, like, how well is this working? Or is this how it normally is? Or is this what it looks like day to day when you're trying to get his attention? And they're saying yes and no and and all of those things. Then it's my turn to kind of follow up with, um, I'm not sure um this is the best way or this is what i see or i don't think he's re- responding to a lot of things throughout the day that so far that i've seen it's not just like calling his name you know it's sometimes like when you're making some noise or when you know you're shaking a rattle or you're like it's not just his name it's like hey come here or look you know those are other things he's not really responding to either and getting them to kind of see like trying to get them to connect some of these dots and it's it's very incremental and kind of baby steps and then saying I think we need to work on just responding so that's kind of where I went with and trying to like lay this foundation with we don't care that he says The or that he labels the pictures in the book right now, what we care about is that he is engaged with this activity with you and that he will interact back and forth with you. So we talked about how could we do that? um, So him sitting in your lap doesn't really allow him to engage with you as a person because he's not facing you. So how could we arrange that routine so he's facing you? or facing dad if he's in mom's lap. So we kind of worked, we worked through that and came up with a joint plan for uh, the next visit based on those two routines. But I think I just want to revisit the the moment with the high chair. It was kind of a desperate moment because it was just really painful in the visit. I don't know if it was right or wrong looking back. Um, it might have been the right thing to do, but maybe the wrong moment, you know, the wrong opportunity. I So in between visits, I did do an in-between visit check-in. I don't always, but I have found that when you just get started with families and you're working on gaining momentum with them and working on that buy-in with coaching, working on just what this service delivery looks like that in between check-in can be really really powerful so after the visit I did send an email just kind of recapping what our plan was but I also shared some information on autism because that's been an open discussion um, that we've had and that the pediatrician actually uh, brought up at the 18-month checkup which um led to our referral or his referral. And um, so I, I did that. I just kind of shared some information with them. I kind of re- recapped the the two routines and the goals of what we're working on. And, and then I, I just kind of left it with that. And I didn't hear from them. And I knew they had read my email, but I you know, I hadn't heard anything. So, even um, even the day of the visit, I sent an email just saying, hey, I, you know, I sent an email and I just want to um review that when I come out today for his visit, that we're gonna look at the book routine and look at that climbing and jumping routine and see how that's going but also look at what other intervention strategies could we put in place into some of your routines and that I would bring some information along with me to kind of help share where where he's at and um, how we can build on on that okay I'm just gonna sidebar really quickly here um, I am reading a great book. I've recommended it. Um, maybe it was just on Instagram, but it's called, let me jump to it because it's got kind of a longer title, uh, Building Preverbal Communication and Engagement Through Triadic Gaze Intervention. This is a book. Um, it just came out November 2021. Uh, you can find it on the Brooks Publishing website. And um, it's really good. So it is... All about trying to increase those foundational preverbal skills. It has great parent handouts, both in English and Spanish, and it it helps you measure like incremental or progress that is very slow. So, and it, using those preverbal skills, um, building all of that before you know, words come or even sounds come or when kids are just not in that imitation phase, we can't expect them to be, you know, copying or picking up words and sounds. So it's like, what's missing? So I used some handouts from that book and I'm definitely using some strategies from there. And I'm focusing on where this child's eye contact goes to uh, increase parent-child engagement. Um, And just teaching them like, um, so triadic gaze intervention, it really focuses on um, is a child able to sustain an eye gaze with just an object with just a person. So that's like single focus or single gaze. And then dual focus is going being able to scan between one object and another object. Or between one person and another person and then of course triadic gaze would be the activity or the object and the person and then back to the activity and back and forth so it's really good I have found myself struggling so much with um, working on this these pre-verbal or pre-linguistic skills with these kids and I um, getting more and more of these kids on my caseload. So I'm really enjoying, I'm, I'm really just at the beginning of this and it go, it walks you through the interventions and strategies and it's very, like, it was written for early intervention. It was written for, um, zero to three it was written for how to like like how to write this into IFSPs so that's what I love about this book too it, it's it was written for our audience so I love it so I'm using that okay so visit number four so you just heard what visit number three was like so visit number four I sent my I sent my in-between visit check-in. They didn't respond to my first email. They did respond to my second email, which I just said, hey, remember I'm coming out today and this is what we're going to focus on. And I did get a sounds good, you know, reply. And so when I got to the visit, visit number four, uh, he was in his high chair and he was finishing, I don't know if it was breakfast or lunch, but he was finishing a meal or in the middle of a meal, actually. So the first 15-ish minutes, he was in his high chair. And picture, um, okay, so picture a child sitting in his high chair. The TV is to the right of him across the room. So he has to turn his head and look at it. And then his mother is to the left of him in the kitchen, um, preparing the food and putting putting food on his tray. And he's only, she's only putting a little bit at a time because he overstuffs. Um, He will do the sign for more and ask for more, but he never turns and looks to his mom to do that. And he did it very rarely. I, I only saw it once or twice and it was prompted and his gaze was always on the TV. So mom did not want to turn off the TV in In that moment, I think she didn't want to make him upset, to be honest, because the first of the visit prior, he was just getting out of his high chair and the TV was on. And when she turned it off, I think she felt like that maybe escalated the whole visit because once she turned it off in the previous visit, um, he kind of whined and cried and he stopped whining and crying, but he didn't want to engage with us. So it was interesting. That's kind of just dawning on me now that she never turned it off. And I didn't ask her to. I did, like, make comments and observations, like, he really likes this show. I can tell he's really into it, because he's having a hard time looking at you uh, to request more, or even when you give him the food, he's he's not looking at you. So, you know, I did make observations like that and she would make comments like, "Oh, he doesn't care if it's on or off or he can he can eat with it off." But again, she didn't turn it off and I wasn't going to ask her to. Um and so it was great that he was in the high chair. Um, Mom and I got to kind of talk about the handouts that I had brought and kind of where he's at. And I kind of marked on there, like, this is where he's at. And this is where talking to communicate begins. So he's kind of up here and we want to get down here. So, or vice versa, however you want to look at it. Um, So we got, we got through my handouts, he got through his meal. And then, so we started talking about, making a choice because that's part of the part of the book and the strategy and the handouts that I brought was making a choice between two objects. Is he able to like scan, reach for one or look at mom and look to one? I said, let's see what happens if you offer him a choice. What could you offer him right now? She wanted to give him water in that moment. And I said, what if you offered him a choice of water and something else? It can be anything else. And she went over, she grabbed a cracker, and she had his water cup, and she was like, do you want this or this? And I said, let's, let's, if we want him to use the word, then we need to use the word too. So do you want water or cracker? And she did that too. Do you want water or cracker? And he reached for the cracker. And I said, that's fine. We have to honor what he wants. So be okay with what you offer him as far as a choice. And we were able to do this probably three or four trials. Um, he, he got through two crackers and then he wanted his water. And we talked about how he would reach for the object he wanted, but he was, and he would, I'd say he's, the, the skill is probably emerging where he's scanning between the two. I think he's more just looking to the one versus scanning between the two of what he wants. And then how we're gonna work on like moving that single focus gaze to like looking at the object and then looking to mom to communicate that that's what he wants and so we did that for a little bit and then obviously mealtime was over so he got out of the high chair and we moved to the living room all the toys have been thrown down the stairs um so the, the stairs leading down to the basement and there's a gate and she's like, I only do one toy at a time now because he just throws everything. I'm like, I think that's wonderful. Totally praised her for that observation, for that strategy. I said, what do you, like, what do you want to do? So then she, cause he's kind of whining and like, he wants the stuff on the stairs that he threw. And she like went through the gate to grab one thing And he was happy with it. And we just worked on, it was like um, putting like wooden pegs, if if you can imagine, into holes. So another loverly toy. Um, And he, again, we were just working on that engagement piece. And I just kept reiterating to mom, like, you hold the sticks and he just needs to take one stick at a time from you. Uh, So we did that. And we went through that activity and she felt good about it. Um, I worked on the action of give too, like with mom having an open handout, like now all the pegs are in, um, in the peg thing. So take them out and give them to mom. And he didn't really want to do that at first, but I helped model that. And like I helped model and facilitate that interaction for him while mom was there with a little bit of hand over hand. And he did do it, I think, once or twice on his own. After that, he just wanted to take the sticks and throw them across their hardwood floor. And then he laughed uncontrollably. I think it was kind of a stimming thing, to be honest. It was very repetitive. And we got back in that game of her saying, no, 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 don't do that. No, no. And he'd pick it up and he'd throw and he'd laugh and he'd pick it up and he'd throw and he'd laugh. And she it just (laughs) it got a little bit painful for me again at that moment because I was like oh my god what am I what should I do I know she doesn't want him to do this and he's saying and she's saying no and he's still doing this I don't think she knows what else to do so in that moment I just said again I used feedback as like it looks like he likes to throw and has like a need to throw we can't necessarily stop him from throwing but how could we change this just a little bit so it's more uh, there's more engagement or just maybe like less annoying that's what you want to say so it's less annoying but um uh so anyways functional was probably the word I used. I don't always like that word, but I was like, hey, how could we make this more functional or turn it into a game? How can we turn this into a game instead of just throwing sticks across the floor? And I'm like, do you have a basket, a bucket, a laundry basket, a box, an Amazon box or an empty diaper box? We're going to have him throw into this. So this is now a game and there's more engagement. And I didn't know how this was going to go, but she's like, yeah, I have an empty Amazon box right here. So she got the box. She set it out and I just modeled for him. I was like in and I just tossed the stick in, the wooden stick in. And there were like probably, oh, I don't know, a dozen and a half of these sticks stick pads, wooden stick pads. And he did. He started following the direction of like, go get more sticks and throw and throw it in, throw it in, in, in goes the stick. And mom was just really surprised that he was like following the, that direction and doing it. And I just had to educate her again. Now we're looking at sensory stuff versus communication stuff, but it all goes together. It all overlaps. And I said, we just need to make this into a game, make this a little bit more functional. So now instead of just throwing sticks across the floor and watching them go, he's now engaging with us and listening to us and imitating us. We're putting sticks in, he's putting sticks in, and he's hearing those words. So leaving this visit, I I felt really good. I felt really good about what we had came up with Oh, I forgot to update you guys (laughs) on the high chair. Um, One of the things she told me when I was checking in at the beginning of the visit was that she has been putting him in his high chair to play and and do some things. And I said, really? And she said, yes. And I said, how is that going? And she said, it's going good. Yeah, he looks at me more and he, um, yeah, he's, yeah, we're doing, we're doing some things. And I was like, tell me what you're doing. And of course she described the lovely toys and things like that. I said, I think that's great. And so my idea, my idea didn't totally backfire. Sometimes you do find success in failures. Um, It felt like a step backward for me. And, you know, like, because it was my idea I think and it just felt unnatural it was like taking him away from what he was doing in the moment and it wasn't parents idea and it didn't work at the time for sure but I think mom saw some like I think she saw what I was trying to do in that moment and I really applaud her for like well it didn't work but I'm gonna try it it didn't work when Erica was here but I'm gonna try it and I'm going to be super honest. My kids did play in their high chairs a little bit. I had twins. And man, sometimes they just needed to sit and be still for a little bit while I either prepared something or cleaned something or I liked them at that height to be honest so that they were more eye to eye with me a little bit. And so it wouldn't last very long, but we did do a little bit of play in the high chair. So especially messy play and sensory play and things like that. Um, more when they were younger, not so much this boy's age, but, um, it just felt unnatural to me. It felt, it felt like I was going against coaching, which I totally was and family routines. But at the same time, It wasn't a total failure either like mom saw some purpose to it too I think the difference with like coaching and the more traditional approach with things and I've had lots of conversations this week with colleagues because we uh, were in a training this week on on coaching and that just because what you were doing before um, isn't considered like best practice anymore doesn't mean you completely throw it out. So, of course, like the toy bag and all of that, and that more direct child practitioner approach isn't what's considered best practice anymore. It doesn't mean you throw out those strategies or you throw out that routine of modeling and interacting with the child you're just more intentional about those interactions. So for example, like when I do model or when I am hands-on with a child, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask the caregiver, is it okay if I show you another way? Is it okay if I do this with her or him? Or I'd like to show you something called, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or would you like to try some signing? Would you like me to show you what that could look like? So do you want to try it? So I think the difference is you just need to be more intentional with your practice and involve the caregiver. Don't throw out what you were doing. You know, go ahead and throw out the toy bag, though. Um, Don't throw out what you were doing. Just um, be more intentional about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then, um, so anyways, I am going to talk about sensory with this little guy because I think there's a lot of sensory things going on and I would love to bring out some sensory tools and strategies. I'm going to go slow with that and I need to get parents to buy in with that. And I'm first going to discuss with them, have you ever tried a sensory bin? This is what they look like. Would you like to try one? If you want to try one, I can bring one. And you can decide if that's something you want to make a part of your day or your routine or something that he has access to. I'm not just going to bring it to bring it because I know he like would like it or possibly like it. I You need to involve the caregiver in those decisions and that's what coaching is. It's involving them in this process and not going too fast. Meeting them where they are at building up their knowledge and their capacity to help their child um so anyways I just think this episode and this visit really made me think about feedback and um and just balancing within a visit like wow parents are way over here and he is way over there like how can I make these interactions more successful I'm going to wrap up the episode here. I hope this episode helped you kind of reflect on how you give feedback to parents, how you can meet the needs of your families and the children you're working with. And also that you're not alone in those visits where it's incredibly painful to watch or be in and wonder how do I make this work? And wouldn't this be so much easier if I just came in with my stuff and did my thing and left. uh, Yeah, it probably would be easier, but I don't think you'd get as much progress. I don't think you'd change the lives of that family as much as you could versus just taking it one thing at a time, one step at a time, and building on that caregiver knowledge and their capacity and all of that um so I'm excited to see them again for the next visit we have a plan of what they're going to work on I asked again at the end of the visit do you feel like you have a plan and how you're going to work on some of these things and and she did and she really liked that um the throwing in the box like worked because he throws down the stairs he throws across the room and you know like I said I think it's a sensory and a stimming thing and I don't I don't know if she sees that yet, but we'll work on it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any thoughts on this episode or feedback for the podcast, please send me a message on Instagram. Uh, You can find it on Instagram at rainbows underscore rain underscore podcast. You can email me. It takes a little bit longer for me to get back to you sometimes, but you can email me. It's erikabo A B O eight zero at gmail.com and thank you for listening. I'll we'll catch you on the next episode of Rainbows and Rain.